Today's daf is daf Samach Dalid, page 64. We're going to pick up, however, from the bottom of Samach Gimel Amad Beis. We're up to the words Tanya Kavase der Papa. It's the first wide line towards the bottom of Samach Gimel Amad Beis. And what we just read in the, um, in the Gemara is that in order to be chayav for um, shechting a carbon while you own chametz, it's only going to be a lav if there's somebody who owns chametz is included in the lav of this carbon of Naisar. Meaning, if you have a whole chavra of people shechting a carbon Pesach, for example, on Erev Pesach, we know you're not allowed to shecht it while you own chametz. Because it says al chametz, you can't shecht it on chametz. What happens if the carbon Pesach is shechted and there's physically chametz there owned by somebody who's not one of the group of this carbon, it's not going to be a lav. Because since this random guy is not chayav, if there's no sir from this carbon, he's not part of the chabura, so if they would leave over. This guy's a random guy. He's not part of it. He wouldn't be chayav a nicer. Therefore, we're not chayav when we shach this animal on his chavit. Okay. Tani kavosi papa. We have a brisa which seems to prove Rev. Papa's halacha. Shechet is a Pesach halacha. It's a person shakes a korban Pesach over chametz. Okay, so over chametz can either mean literally over chametz or it can mean while only chametz. Iver b'leisa, your Iver b'leisa. Emesai, when's this shul? B'zman shehu l'shechet al-zarek al-lech mechabura. The only time you're chayav is when you're part of the chabura. You're, you're the shechting, you're the sprinkling, you're a member of the chabura. One of you guys own chametz, so now, oh, if you shech the korban Pesach like this, you're going to be chayev. However, let's say there's somebody else whose chametz it is, is mamish is uh, physically there, but he's a random guy. Then, ain't zokoglo, you got no shaykhs to this, it's not connected to this carbon and a kobaseder. The lacha is as well, that a person who shucks a carbon Pesach, a person who sprinkles the blood of a carbon Pesach, and a person who burns the parts of the carbon Pesach, the imurim, um, while they own chametz is also going to be chayev. Avol, but this is an interesting halacha that we're going to talk about for the next few lines. Hamolik, one of the ways that, not one of the ways, the way that we would shecht a bird in the Beis Hamikdash was with Malika, right? The Kayan would have very long, pointy fingernails, and they would they would take their their thumbnail and and uh, shecht the bird. It's called Malika. It's a process similar to shechita, but it's using the fingernail, and um, it, it's it's uh, impressed in the neck. But this is basically what we would call shechita of a bird is malika. So hamolik as a of Let's say a person does malika on a bird on the fourteenth day of Nisan. Okay, so it's erev Pesach, and he's got to bring, let's say, a carbon chatos. But it's erev Pesach, so you're not allowed to own chametz anymore. But he did it. That's not considered an Avera. So you see that even though Malika is a type of Shechita, if I do Malika on a carbon Chattas bird on Erev Pesach, even though I own Chametz, I'm not going to be Chayev. That is the Brisa uh, which is similar to Rav Papa. Also, if you shech the tomid while you own chametz, remember, they said to him, "Lay Omra, the Pesach Bavad." No, 
You're not chayav if you shechter carbon atomid on the 14th day in the afternoon while owning while owning chametz. It's not true. You're only chayav if you shechter carbon pesach while you own chametz. Emosai. When is this halacha true? Four lines now from the bottom of Samach Gimel Amud Beis. We're about to start today's daf. Emosai. When is this true? When the chametz is owned by the one doing the shechita, the one doing the sprinkling, or somebody who's part of the chabur of this carbon pesach. However, if somebody, if it's a random guy who owns it, somebody who's not a, a part of the chabura, and he happens to have his chametz there in the location of the shechita, so it's not connected to us and it's not causing an issue. Whether a person is doing shechita, or a person is sprinkling the blood, but a person does the kmitza, the three fingerfuls of flour, ain't I ever say? He's not ever say. And also, hiktir seimurim, ain't I ever say? Here we go, ready? Hiktir seimurim. If you do the haktara of the imurim, which earlier in the brisa we said is going to be a laisase, ain't I ever say? Over here we say, it's not a laisase. So we got, we say, so here's the contradiction. Kasha Malika Malika Kasha Aktara Aktara. Is Malika considered like Shita and Amchayev or not? And secondly, what about the bring of the Imurim? Am I Chayev for bringing the Imurim when I own Chametz or not? So we got a contradiction. Now, the Gemara is going to answer like a good Jew, as they say. And the Gemara is going to say, well, before you try to understand the contradiction between the two Brises, let's try to understand this Brise itself doesn't make it difficult to understand. This price itself is difficult. Before you try to chop how these two prices work in tandem, you're going to have to understand each price. Because this price that we just read doesn't work out. Why not? Because we'll tamech. According to your own approach, you should ask for the price itself. It says in the price, the whole halacha applies to a carbon pesach, right? Only when you shech the carbon pesach while owning chametz is it a problem. But not by the carbon atomid, but other tani. And then you said, oh, shaykhet, achara shaykhet, vachara zayrek, vachara maylek, vachara mazah. That's not a carbon pesach. We do malik on a carbon pesach. What, what, what are you talking about? Elahava harab shimon. Rather, you're going to have to say that both of them are following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. So now we're getting, gaining clarity in the second b'risa. When the second b'risa says, that anybody who shechts while owning chametz is going to be chayav, it must be referring to, um, it must be referring specifically to Erev Pesach, and then when we're talking about the Malika, it's talking about on Pesach. So therefore, now that we explained the second b'risa, now we can also understand why the two b'risas, now that we clarified the b'risa, we can understand why the two b'risas are not a contradiction. Why? So let's go. Malika, Malika like kasha, now the two Malikas aren't the kasha. You know Why? Because the first Malika that we said isn't a problem, and the one that is a problem is talking about different days. If you do Malika um, while only Chomets on the 14th day, you're not going to be Chayev, because you're only Chayev when you're Shachta Korban Pesach over Chomets on the 14th, and over here it's not Chomets, it's not Pesach yet for Malika, right? Uh, it's still Arab Pesach, so it's, it's, uh, you're not allowed to own Chomets yet, but you can say, okay, it's, mamish, not, it's not Mamish Pesach itself. And the other price that says you're chayav when you shecht malika on chametz is dealing with when we're, de- we're dealing with Pesach itself. It's mamish already cholamayit. And a person who does zrika or malika 
on Chol HaMoyed is going to be Chayav the same way when you do Shechita on, uh, on, uh, on the 14th, on Erev Yom Tif. And the burning of the Emurim, where one place we said you are, you are Iver, the other place that you are Iver is also not a Kasha Tanoi, because we're going to say that goes back to the original Machlekes Tanoim, Dika Demakish Akhtara, the Shechita. One Tana says the Akhtara, the burning of the Emurim, is similar to Shechita, and therefore if it's similar to Shechita, I'm going to be Chayav for shechting it on the Chametz, because since uh, um, there's going to be an Isser of Nisar, there's going to be an Isser of Lina, of allowing it to stay overnight, the Mela, you're going to be Chayav, there's the, you're now Nichlal, you're included in the Pasuk, and you're Chayav for shechting it on the Chametz, well, only Chametz, another time it holds that no, the burning of the Emurim is not similar to the Shechita, and therefore, even though by the Shechita, if I would shecht it, I would be, uh, uh, while owning Chametz, I'm going to be Chayav. If I do the, if I do, um, the burning of the Emurim, the Hector Chalom, uh, if I do the, the Haktara, the burning of the Emurim, that's not going to obligate, while owning Chametz, it's not going to obligate me. Okay. Period. End of that discussion. Two dots. We said in the Mishra, Buddha Buddha says, Not only are you Chayav when you shecht the carbon Pesach while owning Chametz, you're also Chayav when shechting the carbon Hatamid while owning Chametz. Says the Gemara, my time is Rebuda. Why? Why? Where did you get that from? Right, uh, um, we said al uh, chametz. You're not allowed to shechted on chametz. That's not about the carbon pesach. Where do you ever see a carbon atomid can't be shechted while owning chametz? I mean, the day prior to the 14th of Nisan, was I allowed to own chametz when shechting a tumid? Yeah. So why on the 14th? Where, where are you coming from? When I own chametz, when I shecht the tumid on the 14th, that's like a new law. Where do you see a connection between tumid and chametz? Amar Lach, if he's going to say Zivchi, it says, don't shecht over my Zevach. Well, what's my Zevach? What one, uh, which Zevach belongs specifically to Hashem? Which carbon? A carbon Pesach? No. You know why? Because Klal Yisrael eats from the carbon Pesach too. Which carbon is an Ayla that's completely burnt up that becomes mine, that becomes Hashem's? Right? That is Zevach Hamiyuchivli, a carbon that goes only to the Rabbanu Shleilam, Umaynihu Tamir, and that is the carbon Hatamir set aside specifically for Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Shimon Aimer, Shimon says a Pesach Barba Osar that a person is Chayav for shechting any type of carbon on the fourteenth. This was the opinion of Rav Shimon that we just quoted a couple steps ago. If you, any carbon you shecht on Pesach while owning chametz, you're chayev. My time at the Reb Shimon. Where's Reb Shimon coming from? What's the source? And for the Gemara, the Gemara says this. If it says in the Pesach, Zivchi, Zivchi, Trey Zimni. It says the word Zivchi two times. Kari be Zevach, Zivchoyai. So you can read it. Zevach, a carbon. Zivchai, my carbonus. L'may hokas ha'pleginu rabbonon me'adadi. And where does the Torah... Uh, separate the carbonos for like kosav zvachaya. Where does the Torah leave out 
the word zvachayai. Okay, why is there an extra yud? Usually it says zivchi. What do you, what, what's zivachayai? What, what, where does that word coming from? But Meimar, bizman diika zevach. Let's let us know that when there is a zevach, this is referring to the main carbon uh, of Pesach, the carbon Pesach. Then loy mechayev azvachayai. When it's still the 14th day, and Nisan says, Rabbi Shimon, you're not going to be chayav for shechting my carbonos with chametz, besides the carbon pesach, obviously. But when there's no longer a carbon pesach, you're going to be chayav for shechting on any carbon while owning chametz. Okay, referring to Yomtev and Chol Hamoy. Period. Last piece of Gemara before the Mishnah. We said, Ubamayid, if you shecht um, the carbon Pesach outside of its proper time, instead of shechting on the 14th, you ended up shechting it on Yamtif, on Pesach itself. Then, Lishmai, Potter. If you own Chametz and you shecht the carbon Pesach, Lishem Pesach, on Pesach, again, you shecht the carbon Pesach, Lishem Pesach, on Pesach. Is that a kosher carbon? No. So, therefore, Potter. You're putter, because it's not a valid carbon. Okay? You're putter if you own chametz at that time, because it's not a valid carbon. Says the Gemara, time of the Shaloy Lishmai. The reason why you're putter is because you shechted time of the Shaloy Lishmai. The only time that you're going to be chayov for shechting a carbon Pesach on Pesach is when it's Shaloy Lishmai, because now it's not a valid Pesach. It's now a kosher carbon shlamim. And I shechted a kosher carbon shlamim while owning chametz. I got a problem. Hastama potter. But let's say, I didn't have any specific intent. It seems I'm going to be potter as if I shechted it lishma. Am I? Why is that the halacha? Pesach, Havi. A Pesach any other day of the year on the 14th is automatically a shlamim, right? Remember we said it's it's automatically in the shlamim family. So if you if a person shechts a carbon Pesach on Yom Tif, not having in mind the Pesach, shouldn't it be a valid shlamim? And if it's a valid shlamim, I should be chayiv, because now it was a kosher carbon. Shamas mina, so you learn from our Mishnah, Pesach b'shari Shana by Akira, that in order for a Pesach to have a fallback into a shlamim, you mamish need to have specific intent that this is a shlamim. And it's no longer a Pesach. It's not enough to just shecht it, stop. You mamish need to have specific intent. Um, you know, when we discussed this halacha and yeshiva, basically the vote, the consensus, you know, came out to be that our mission is dealing with an interesting case where the owner of this carbon was tummy mace when it came time for Pesach. So the Allah is, if you're tummy mace, you're not allowed to bring a carbon, you're not be part of a carbon Pesach. What would they do instead? What does it say in the Torah? People were tummy mace. They came to Maisha. They said, oh, it's not fair. We're missing out. So Maisha Benu said, Pesach Sheni. So they... Now take on Pesach Sheni, the stomach Lashon Pesach And therefore, without any specific mention, we're still going to say that it remains 
set aside to be a carbon Pesach. And by the case of where a person is tame, in particular, that's where we say, if you want it to lose the status of a Pesach, you need to specifically have in mind or say that it's a shlub. Because you're dealing with a tame case. But if a person's not tame, then it does not need to actively and and in entirety be changed from a carbon Pesach. It'll happen memela. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. Here we go. Next Mishnah. This Mishnah is, I'm confident to say, is going to be very fascinating, very interesting to a lot of us. It's an unusually... Uh, I'm going to call it a, a long Mishnah for Gemara. It's not usually a long Mishnah, as uh, Reb Simcha knows, you know, when the, you learn Mishnahis with the boys. A lot of Mishnahis are very long, but then you see it in the Gemara, you're like, oh, it's three Mishnahis. Like, <laughs> it's split up in the Gemara. It's interesting how, the from here, this Mishnah is going to take us to Ahmed Beis. Okay? So, it's a, it's a nice Mishnah, and it's, it's going to move along. Very interesting, and it discusses the entire process of how Klal Yisrael brought... The carbon Pesach, what it looked like. Beautiful, beautiful Mishnah. Here we go. As all Mishnahis are. HaPesach Nishcha Peshalish Kitas. Listen to this. Klau Yisrael was split up into thirds. They, they sent out an Excel spreadsheet. Register your carbon Pesach. Tell us how many people you got. What's happening? How many Pesachim? Then they would split up the Chaburas, all of Klai Yisrael, into three parts. Klai Yisrael did not all come at the same time. We came in thirds into the Beis HaMikdash. Here we go. Shenem HaVashach, do I say, Kol Kehal Adas Yisrael. We gathered together all of the Kahal. Kol Kehal Adas Yisrael. What does that mean? Kahal ve'edav Yisrael shows us that there were three groups. There was a group called Kahal. That's a group. Eidah is an expression of a group. And Yisrael is an expression of a group. Nechresa Rishaina. Group, we'll call it Kahal. Group Kahal came into the Beis HaMikdash. Nismal Azara, And they filled up the entire courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash. Nalud Los Azara, And they closed the gates of the courtyard behind Klai Yisrael. Nobody else allowed. They blew it. The Kahanim were standing there ready to roll. In lines. They're ready for this mass production to begin. And each of they were holding gold and silver vessels. It wasn't like Kayan 1, gold, Kayan 2, silver. Each row of Kahanim were designated. You're the silver row. You're the gold row. That's what it looked like. Okay? So they were a bunch of, they were a numerous rows. Each row had pure silver cups and pure gold cups. They wouldn't be mixed together. And the bowls did not have shulayim. They didn't have flat bottoms. They couldn't be put down. Why? Because these bowls were going to be meant to catch all the blood of the carbon Pesach, we had to make sure the blood of the carbon Pesach did not congeal. In order to make sure it didn't congeal, we had to make sure the Kahanim couldn't put it down. 
and therefore there were no bottoms on the cups. Here's what happened. Shachat Yisrael. A Yisrael would come and shach the Karman Pesach. The Kibbala Kayin. The Kayin had to do the Kabbalah Saddam. The Kayin, then they would start the assembly line. Here we go. They would start passing it from hand to hand. And then they would, there were the full cups going around and the empty cups going around. Once it was, uh, when it needed to be filled up, and then once it was sprinkled, it had to be passed back and washed out. And as it was passed along, so it was constant like this. Yeah, they were constantly transferring the cups, and the Kohen closest to the Mizbeach was the one who would spritz, would sprinkle the blood on the base of the Mizbeach. Then the first group of Klai Yisrael would walk out, and the second group would walk in. When the second group was done, the third group would walk in. And whatever we did by the first group, that's how the second, and that's what the second and third group did. And then they read Halal. Each group would say Halal. So at the end of their service, the first group said Halal as well. If they finished Halal while the Avaidah was still being done, they would shanu, they would repeat halal again. If they finished halal twice, they would say it a third time. And even though it never happened uh, that they got to the third halal. You hear this? You want to know how long, these th- you want to know how long this took? Rashi says, this moved along fast. Think about how long does it take to say halal. Now, keep, now yeah, they had the Levium, right? They had uh, they had musical instruments. They had halal. Yeah, okay. Even if they sing it Kalbach style, yeah. Even if they had Rishlamis Nagunim, what does it take to say halal? A half hour, yeah. A half hour, forty five minutes. They never made it to the third time for the for each group. Fascinating. Rebbe Yudah Rebbe says, "Me mayim shall cut shlishes like Yila Havdi ki Yishma Hashem." By the time they got to the third group, they didn't even reach a hafti. That's how fast they moved along. It's kind of like when you board a plane, right? You board a plane, you go to Southwest. You have group A, group B, group C. Group C is usually smaller than group A and B, right? That's the, whoever didn't check in on time. Yeah, so they're, they're the last group uh, to go on. So the last group is, okay. Can I say the same way uh, we did things on weekday, this is what we did on Shabbos as well. If Erev, if Erev Pesach was Matzah, it was on Shabbos. Pesach fell out Matzah Shabbos. Erev Pesach was on Shabbos. The same process was done on Shabbos. Except the, the Kahanim would also wash out the Azara. However, this was Shalai Beratzain. Chachamim. Um, they didn't want that. They didn't want that. What happened was there was a uh, uh, there was a um, little stream that ran through the base Hamikdash that was there to clean out the blood, and the Kahanim would kind of they had like a dam, you know, that they would be able to open and close for it, and they would allow it to to clean out on Shabbos, and the Chachamim. Um, did not agree that this was uh, that this was allowed. Um, where am I? Rabbi Yudaim Rabbi Yudah says Kais Hayim Emali Midas Ataruvis. Rabbi Yehuda says that there was a cup full of blood 
that had spilled out from Midam HaTarubis, that got spilled out onto the uh, blood of the floor of the Beis HaMikdash. Now the problem is, if blood spills out onto the floor, that means it possibly could have got mixed in with some other blood that was there uh, previously. And he would sprinkle this on top of the Mizbeach. And Achamim did not agree that this was allowed, and this particular halacha will be discussed in the Gemara um, to explain what was this dam that was, that was a taruvis, you know, that got mixed up. Now that we know how they shechted it and moved the blood along and moved the, the dam along, how did they prepare the actual meat? So, Thailand, they would hang the animal, umavshitin, and skin the animal. On kolyais shall barzel there were uh, barzel is iron. They had iron hooks that were attached to the walls, the ceilings, the pillars, all of the base atabachim in the butchering area of the base hamikdash. This is where all the skinning and uh, you know taking care of the meat was done. If there was no if if there was no room for somebody. So they had very skinny. Um, Rashi explains they were like wooden poles. They had very skinny wooden poles. And they would take these wooden poles, lay them on their own shoulders, lay the other end of the pole on their friend's shoulder. So they would become human hanging stations. Yeah? They would hang one pole on their uh, shoulder, one pole on the animal's shoulder, and uh, they would put the animal on it, and the third guy would come along and, and skin the animal. Rebbe Lezer says, Arba Asar Yodalib, if Yodalib Shechaliyais B'Shabbos, if the if Erev Pesach fell out on Shabbos, then they wouldn't take these poles, okay? Um, and the reason is because he held that these things were mukta. Rather, you would take your arm and put it, your arm on your friend's shoulder. Your friend would put his arm on your shoulder. And that's how they would hang the, that's how they would hold up the animal while it was skinned. They would now open up the animals, remove the intestines, remove, I'm sorry, not the intestines, that's kirba, that's the innards. And murav are the, the limbs of the animal that were going to be burnt on the Mizbeach, they would take it out, and they would put them into a basket, and burn it on top of, they would burn the Imurim on top of the Mizbeach. The first group would leave the butchering place, and they stayed on the, the Yashua Laravayas, they, they dwelled, they remained on the Harabayas. Shniya Bachel. And then the second group would go into the Chel, the, the opening area that, that was available for them to walk into. A third group would go there. Once it became dark on Matzi Shabbos, everybody went home at the same time. Okay? Now, the reason why on Shabbos they needed to do this, now, on, on a Stamber of Pesach, they didn't hang around till nightfall. 
But on Shabbos, they had to, because they're not allowed to carry. So, uh, so they eat, the first group had to move to the side and move elsewhere without carrying on Shabbos. Then the second group would, would go, the third group would go, so on and so forth. Okay. Very, very interesting. Here we go. Zakti Gemara. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Ain Pesach Nishcha B'Shosh Kito Shosh Loishim V'Shosh Loishim The Pesach was shechted in groups of a minimum of 30 people. My time of Kahove Dabi Yisrael Mesav Kola Ibibas Achas Ibizacharzeh We weren't sure if these 30 people were all at one time that each step was done at one time, or was it was it done one after the other? Therefore, therefore, you got to make sure there's three groups of 30, because this way, if you were supposed to do it at one time, at least you had it. And if they were supposed to be one after another, you had that as well. Therefore, you could even do it with a group of 50, the Aile Prosim Ba'abdi, because 30 people come in and they do the Avaida, Aile Yasara, Venafki Yasara. And then you could have 10 leave, 10 come in, Aile Yasara, Venafki Yasara, so on and so forth. You're still going to end up with the 30 people who are there throughout. Period. End of that part of the Mishnah. Next part of the Mishnah, Nechnesakat Rishayna. What happened was that the first group would go into the base Hamikdash, would go into the, to the Yasara. Itmar, we learned. Abai Omar Nina Lutanan. Abai says that it was Nina Lutanan that um, the gates of the Azara would close on their own. Okay? That's what Nina Lu means. Rav Omar Noyalin Tanan. That it's not that they would close on their own with an ace, rather, the Kahanim would lock the gates. My Benayu, what's the difference? How exactly the gates closed? The difference is whether it uh, a person should be relying on a miracle. Abai Yamar Ninalu Tanan Abai says that Ninalu that it happened on their own. That what happened was they would just keep walking in, and then when Hakadosh Baruch Hu decided that Group A is finished, the gates closed. Rav says that it was done by man, and you do not rely on a nest. This we learned in the Mishnah of Yudah. Yudah says, that Akavya ben Mahalalel was put into Cherim. Okay, this is a very, very interesting um, halacha, and we're going to see what this Akavya Malal putting in Kherim has anything to do with, with this, but keep in mind, Akavya ben Malal was one of the uh, earliest and uh, most Kaddish Gedailim of Tanayim of his time. Okay? And there's a story that um, we're going to see why that ultimately there's an opinion that Akavya ben Malal had to be put into Cheir with his own agreement. With his own agreement. Now listen to this. Here's what happened. She'ein Azara ninelas al kol adam The Azara did not close 
on anybody in Kal Yisrael. B'chokma, u'biyiraschet, kaka b'malala. Every single year that walked into the Beis HaMikdash and entered those doors, none of them had the Chachma and the Yira of Akavya Ben Mahalala. Abayi Metaras Tamei, Verov Metaras Tamei, what do you mean? Abayi Metaras Tamei, Ein Bazara, Bishosh Nenel Akal Adam Bishol. There's no one in the base in the Azara that it was closed to what's as great. Bechachma Biras Chet Akavya Ben Mahalala, Rav Metaras Tamei, Ein Bazara Bishosh Nenel and I saw Akal Yisrael Bechachma Uviras Chet Akavya Ben Mahalala. Um, the story of Akavya ben Mahalalel is that he was head and shoulders above the other, just to, to put it into 30 seconds, above the other Tanayim, there was a psak that most of the Bezdin agreed with. Akavya knew for sure that he was right and the majority was wrong. He knew for sure he was right. He couldn't follow their psak because Imamish felt they were making a terrible mistake. At the same time, the halacha is you follow the majority. Akavya agreed that they're supposed to follow the majority, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. And apparently, the, with his agreement, they decided that if somehow they're, that if they put him in cherem, then he's going to be separated from this to follow the majority wrong opinion, and Rebuda says not Shaykh that somebody like Akavya could ever have been uh, could ever have been uh, put in Khiram. But be it as it may, when it comes to Argamara, the 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 expression was, how is it possible? The the doors never closed. And however those words were used, that the doors never closed on him, then Hashem did it. Where other people didn't close the doors on him, that's the other opinion. Okay, Tanra Banan. The rabbis learned, and so should we. There was no time where people ever felt squished in the Azara. Except one time there was Pesach in the days of Hillel. There was an old person that got crushed. And they called it the Pesach of crushing. But there was no other time where a person ever got hurt. One of the rabbis learned so shuiv hamachas one time. Bikesh Agripas and Melchitin ain't of Ochlusa Yisrael. Agripas wanted to go and check out what's going on amongst the groups of Klai Yisrael. Amar leil the kain gadol. They said the kain gadol. Teni nechab b'sachim. You take care of the carbon pesachs. Not a kolya mikol echad. The kain gadol took a kolya, took a kidney from each carbon pesach. Venimsu sham shishim rivay zugi kliyus, and they found six hundred sets of kidneys. Six hundred thousand. Sets of kidneys, kiflaim kiyotzi mitzrayim, which is double, right? Six hundred thousand left mitzrayim, and now we found six hundred thousand pairs. Okay, so one point two million. Chutz mitame v'shahaya b'derech rachayka, and this is besides for people who who kept Pesach sheni and people who lived too far to make it to Yerushalayim. Ve'ein lechal kol Pesach ve'Pesach shalay nimnu alav yaser me'asara b'nei adam. And you're not going to have even one uh, one Pesach that did not have at least 10 people per carbon. Okay, so keep in mind how many people were taking part over here. You take that number and you, uh, 600,000 uh, pairs, and you times that by 10. Each carbon needed at least 10 men to, uh, to take part in it. You're dealing with uh, 
Yeah, there's six to twelve million over here. Um, says the Gemara, not al kulya. How could he tell him to take the kidney? Haboy aktura. The kidney is part of the burning on the mizbeach. Tahadar makfir lehu. Says yeah, no, he just counted them. In other words, Agripas was curious to know. He wanted a census. How many yidin am I the king of? Yeah, what's going on? So the way they took the census is on Pesach. See, each kidney they would mark off. They would take a strike sheet, and they would uh, take a clicker. They would mark off kidney one, kidney two, eh? and that's how they know how many b'zachim were, were brought. Says the Gemara, hiktiru, and he burnt it which means that you're not allowed to mix them all together. Say, so how could he burn them all together? So the Gemara answers. Yeah, he counted it one at a time. He didn't burn them all at the same time. I have a tiny, but we learned in the Brisa of Hektiram, and he burns them. They should all be like one. So how was he even allowed to take a census if you got a mamish, keep the chain moving, and you're not allowed to delay it at all? Yeah, you're right. He didn't even set it aside. It was just counting. As it was going to the production line, they had somebody sitting there counting the shako meinayu ad the avle midi achrina. Yeah, the, this is the kidney, and uh, until another kidney was ready, but they, it didn't slow down the process at all. Period. End of that discussion. Next piece of the Mishnah: Gehanim Aimnim Shuris. The Gehanim would stand there in rows, right? They had a row of silver. They had a row of gold. My time. What's the reason why the Gehanim were set up like this? If you're going to say that. It's because they're going to take away the bulls, and uh, give him a, a, a gold and give him a silver. So uh, you still you have the same problem. Because you had different sized gold bulls. And you give him a, a half a, a bull with half a size of that measurement of gold. The reason why it was done with gold rows and silver rows and silver rows was because it looked nicer. That's why. It looked nicer. Instead of having gold, silver, gold, silver, gold, silver, it was gold. And the Gemara was bothered. Why didn't you do, why didn't you switch off? I. the problem is it's not respectful to start out with gold and end up with silver in the Beisam Mikdash. And if you're passing it, a gold guy loves it. That's not the problem. The, the bottom, bottom line is it's just that it looks nicer. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah. The bowls did not have bottoms. And Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, any bowl in the base of Mikdash, you never found a bottom. Except for the bowl that held the levina, that held the spices of the lechem upon him. Those needed to be flat. Why? Says the Gemara. Because if there's no bottom, then guess what? If you ever had to put it down, how would you keep it standing? You leaned it against something. So you were concerned that if the bowls that held the spices that were abolished with the, with the lechem, with the bread, didn't have bottoms, people would lean them against the bread and break the bread. And if it was better, we, we, we preferred that it had a bottom, and this way people wouldn't use the lechem as a, um, as a support. Shachat Yisrael v'kibu l'kayim. A Yisrael would shecht and the Kohen would accept the blood. Says the Gemara, why does the Yisrael need a Shechtit? Why does Yisrael need a Shechtit? 
Kohen catches the blood. Let the Kohen do the Shechita too. The Gemara says, You're right. A Kohen absolutely is allowed to shech the carbon. But the reason why the Mishnah says that Yisrael shechts it is because that's the only part a Yisrael is allowed to partake in. A Yisrael is allowed to shech it. Obviously a Kohen can too. But only a Kohen can do the other steps. The Kiva la Kohen. The Kohen would then have to do the Kabbalah Saddam. From the Kabbalah, and then the Halacha, and then Mizrika, that all has to be done by Kahanim. Next part of the Mishnah. The Kohen would hand the bowl with the dominant to his friend. Remember, there's four steps Shechita, Shechting, Kabbalah Saddam. Halacha is carrying it to the Mizbeach and then sprinkling on the Mizbeach. I would think that carrying to the Mizbeach means I actually walk and carry it to the Mizbeach. From our Mishnah we see that the Halacha is not a chiyav to walk. Why? Because the Kahanim didn't move. They just passed along the blood. So you see that the Halacha doesn't need actual movement of the legs. It's enough that the blood keeps moving to the Mizbeach. Says the Gemara, Doma hu nayid porta. Who says? Maybe it's the reason why it's kosher is because the kayan moves a little bit. So then what would be the Chiddush of the Mishnah? Ha-kamashman, the Chiddush might be the Ravam Hadras Melech. That we prefer as many Kahanim as possible because the more people that are involved with the mitzvah, the bigger the mitzvah is. And we prefer multiple Kahanim holding the blood before the Zrika is done, before, instead of having only one and hold the blood. Okay. Next part of the Mishnah. He would take a full cup of blood, the Kayin would pass it along, and he would also hand back the empty cups. Okay? They would pass along the full and hand back the empty. Says the Gemara, but it wouldn't be done in the opposite way. First you did the full and then the empty. You wouldn't first pass the empty, then the full. Is a proof to Ishlakish to Amar Shimelakish Ain Ma'avirin Allah Mitzvah. You're not allowed to pass over a mitzvah, and therefore the mitzvah is the zrika. So if I, so, as I'm moving along the full cup and the empty cup, my obligation is to first pass the full cup because that's the that's the mitzvah I'm on the way to do. The empty cup, the mitzvah is already done, right? So you start with the full one and then you pass back. The empty one. Period. Next part of the Mishnah. The Kayin who was closest to Mizbeach would then sprinkle the blood. Who holds that the carbon Pesach needed to be sprinkled on the Mizbeach? says, It's Rabbi Yaisi Aglili. He the Tanik learned in the Brisa. Rabbi Yaisi Aglili, I'm Rabbi Yaisi Aglili, says, As Damam Tizrai, Gamazbech, Vashelbam Taktir. You should sprinkle the blood on the mizbeach, and you should burn the fits. It doesn't say the. It doesn't say its blood damay. Look at the words s damam, damam, which is plural. It doesn't say its blood. It says their blood. Ela damam, chelboy leinamar. Doesn't say its fat. Ela chelbam, their fat. Lime. This teaches us ala bechar umaiser upesach. Now, when it comes to the to the Bukhar, the halacha of Meiser, or the Karbon Pesach, Shahin to Unim, Matan, Domim, they must, 
you must per, uh, put down their blood, ve'emurim, and their limbs, their parts, the gabei hamizbeach, on top of the mizbeach. So the same way the emurim was put on the top of the mizbeach, so too the blood was put on top of the mizbeach. Says the Gemara Menalon betun yisaid. And how do you know that when you sprinkle it, it needed to be done towards the bottom, towards the yisaid, towards the base of the mizbeach? Where's that from? Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar says, Asya Zrika Zrika Ma'ila. The placement of the sprinkling we learned out from a carbon ola. How so? Ksiv hacha. It says over here by the carbon pesach. Es damam, their blood, tizraik ala mezbeach. You should sprinkle on the mezbeach. Uksiv hasam. And it says by the carbon ola, vizarku b'nei aharain hakaihanim, es damai. The Kaiha Aaron and his children, the Kaihanim, should sprinkle its blood on the Mizbeach, Saviv, around it. Now, what does it mean? Um, what does it mean, Alhamizbeach Saviv, by a Kabraila? When we say Alhamizbeach Saviv, what's that referring to? Ma'ayla tuning aside, just like that Alhamizbeach is referring to the base of the Mizbeach, Av Pesach Nami aside, so to the Korban Pesach, when we say Alhamizbeach, is referring to the base. Top of tomorrow's daf, the uh, uh, last step before the two dots, the oila gufa menalon. And how do you know that by the carbon oila when it says alham is beach saviv, itaka means, all it means is on them is beach around. How do you know itaka means towards the bottom, towards the base? Where do you see that in the words? Amar kra el yisaid mizbacha oila. There's another pasuk that says the kain sprinkles the blood, I'm sorry, pours the remaining blood after it's sprinkled, al yisaid mizbacha oila. On the base of the mizbeach, the oila alma oila tuni aside. You see that the oila is focused around the base of the mizbeach, and once the oila is sprinkled around the base of the mizbeach, now I make the gzera shava alam mizbeach alam mizbeach from oila to pesach, and the pesach as well is sprinkled towards the base. And we will hold it here for today. Ashikayach and be'ez Hashem will pick up seven thirty tomorrow evening.